Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good evening. It's so nice to come back to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I think maybe a few of you remember my face. Would you raise your hand if you know me? Well, I had to find a new message tonight. (laughs) We do pray for you and pray for my dear friend and brother, Pastor Skip Heitzig and Lenny and Nathan and all of you. The impact that you make, not only for here in Albuquerque, but United States, but then around the world, it is significant. And I am one of those people that can tell you that your life, this church, is making significant difference on the mission field. Last time when I was here, I told you about the Bridge of Hope children, the children of the untouchables that we were taking in and helping them to come to know the Lord and give them a a hope that they will never have education and um, all that comes with it. Today we have 50,000 children uh, throughout the land of India, uh, Bhutan, and Sri Lanka, and Nepal. And in one small community a few months ago, they baptized 800 adults that came to know the Lord Jesus Christ through one of those centers. Praise the Lord. So if you are one of those um, family and individual praying and helping one of these little um, child or children, I want you to know you are doing something extremely significant and the Lord is honored by that. And you will see much more about it and understand it when you get to see the Lord, which I think is going to be fairly soon. I want to tell you a story. Well, maybe a couple of stories. This is from the country of Bhutan, a land known as a forbidden land for Christianity to the extent We have 18 churches there, but we cannot build church buildings. We just build houses. And it is kind of illegal to be a Christian in that small country, a Buddhist nation. And we do train missionaries there on the border of India. These are brothers and sisters from Bhutan, then we send them back to their country. Isai is a small village, a rural community in the province of Dangra in southern Bhutan. People live there in the mountains and the valleys, and the only transportation they have is just walk. You walk and walk. And there in this particular community lives a man, his name is Modarai. Christ's name was never ever preached or mentioned to the people that live in the community. 
This particular man is not just any kind of individual, but he's a witch doctor. He controls not only the people that live in this particular community, but also in the surrounding villages. People believe that he actually is incarnation of a powerful deity they worship called Shivaji. And they believe he was taught not by men, but by gods. Well, hearing about this community, our missionary that lived several days away from that place, decided to get some of his co-workers and walk to this place to see if they can share about Christ to these people. Our missionary's name, Nima Wadi. So they had to carry their little projector, small generator, and their screen and all these different things because there is no television, there is no movie theater in that place. So finally they get to this place and decided since a lot of the people are illiterate in the community, they will show the life of Jesus, a film that is made in India. So the evening comes and they started the movie called Daya Sahar, Man of Mercy. 120 people showed up. When the scene of the crucifixion was taking place, our missionaries could hear people weeping out loud, seeing Christ being crucified. And when they saw him resurrected, they began to clap their hands. I would do that too. But here's the thing. Among the crowd was this witch doctor, Monrai, and his family sitting there. That night, he, along with his family, gave their lives to Christ and 54 other people. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and December 24th, 2006, all these converts were baptized publicly. Now they gather for worship, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. But the story is not over. Hearing about this, the authorities arrested our missionary and questioned him for one and a half hours and they put him in prison. By God's grace, through prayer and some intervention, he was later released. But they stripped all his privileges such as telephone and other conveniences that he had at his place. Somebody asked him, so, what do you think? He answered, well, if they let me stay in the prison long enough, I could have converted a whole bunch more people. <laughs> in one of the crowded marketplace in northern India, one of our missionaries was going about giving gospel tracts and talking to people about Jesus. After several days of his talking to the people about the Lord and praying for people, going house to house and doing things like that, one day he was in the marketplace doing the same old things. But then he felt somebody pulling on his shirt, just keep pulling it. 
And he turned around and he saw a seven, eight-year-old little boy, kind of skinny and half naked. He just looked so sad and gloomy and wouldn't say a word but keep pulling him. So our brother thought, well, there's something about it where he want me to go. So he started following the young boy that took him the outskirts of the town to this tiny community where people live in these mud houses. There he saw this woman sitting in front of this little mud house. It means just one room, just there's no door, nothing like that. Skin and bones look so deeply sad and, and, and just sitting there in despair. But next to that, there is a tree on which a man is tied up. The story is that man who was tied up to this tree happened to be the father of this little boy and the husband of that woman. What happened is that this little boy heard that Jesus heals people and set people who are demon-possessed free. And somehow he thought this missionary could help his father. And that's how we came to the situation. So what our brother did, as he always does and our people do, prayed for the man. And the Lord is faithful. And he showed up. And the man was set free from demon possession. And he and his family became the first convert in that small community. And now there is a church that is worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. <laughs> just one more. I just came back from Delhi, India a week ago. And when I came back to Dallas, our home office in the USA, we have some 80 families that serve the Lord there. And John Beers and David Carroll, a couple of my uh, colleagues, are here tonight with me. And uh, while I was gone... One of our brothers from Dallas that travels throughout many nations, we work in 10 Asian countries, some 16,000 missionaries that are serving the Lord. So what he does, he travels and get information, pictures and all those things. So he talked about one of his experience in the state of Rajasthan in northern India where I went as a youngster with operation mobilization and that is the place I was beaten up and abused several times for preaching the gospel. And I had to run for my life from many places, so I am alive today. But we have a couple of hundred missionaries that are serving the Lord in Rajasthan, this particular place. So this, our brother, was reporting to our staff one of his encounters with one of our missionaries. Here is a story. This brother, Jaintilal, his name, went to this one community that never had a church before, Start preaching the gospel to people that never heard Christ's name. I said again, people that never ever heard Christ's name. You go to the truck stops or beer tents or, or wherever people go, some of the worst places, you will find people using Jesus' name as a curse word. But even that they have not heard. 
By the grace of God, he was able to see a whole bunch of people come to Christ, get baptized, and a small church now started. One Sunday, a man brings a woman to the church and says, please pray for my wife. But the problem, she was possessed by demons for six years and they had to tie her up to a post because of the problems she was creating. And then he said, I offered eight chickens and one goat a sacrifice to our gods through their witch doctor that assisted them. But he said, only it got worse. That's when he heard that there is a Christian pastor, a missionary, that will pray for his wife. So what do you do? You say, I can't do anything about it. You better pray. So the believers and our pastor prays for this woman. Guess what? The Lord set her free. It's a dramatic story. But here is a beautiful thing. This woman was so absolutely radically converted and so committed to Christ with a newfound life, wherever she goes, she just talks about Jesus. She can't get enough of Jesus. And listen to this. In a matter of few months, 25 families came to the Lord Jesus Christ and were baptized through her testimony and aggressive evangelism. Amen. Recently, when I was in India, I asked this brother, a young missionary, why he chose to go to this particular mission field that we all knew is very difficult, very hard, and a place that most people don't want to go because of persecution and difficulties. And then he began to describe to me the, the poverty, the suffering, and the abuse, and the darkness, and all the sacrifices people make to appease their gods. And while he was talking these things, he just started to weep, just started sobbing. And then he said, you will never know the suffering I have to face. I left my home 2,000 miles away from this place, living fairly comfortable life. But now I found out here, the delicacy people give, it is worms. Sometimes not even cooked. Then he said several times he wanted to leave the mission field. I caught. I was tempted so many times to give up and go back home to my comfortable settings. And one night, Jesus spoke to him. And this is what Jesus said. Go back if you want to. I will have to look for someone else to share my pain, my tears for these, my people. You can leave me here and go. If you want to go, please go. He said, he knelt down and said, Lord, I will not want to leave this place. This is where I want to live. And if this is where I must die, I'm yours. 
what a glorious commitment that the Lord used this brother to see literally thousands of people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and churches planted. Now, if you're wondering, we thought you're going to teach Bible. We are. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. I'm reading from verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the multitudes or crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Hopefully you agree with me that the Lord called you and called me and saved us. Delivered us from sin and captivity and hell that was ahead of us. But I hope you understand the purpose of God is not just to forgive our sin and make us happy and wealthy and prosperous and take us to heaven finally because we are the only special creatures on earth. Nobody else like us. No, it is much more than that. He said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. You are my body. To that young missionary, the Lord said, If you want to go, you can go back and leave me here. And I will have to look for someone to share my pain, my tears for these, my people. You know, some three decades or so after this incident, Matthew is scribbling the story. Did you notice here, Jesus and his disciples are going along and chapter 8 and chapter 9, I mean you have, my goodness, about 14 incidents of blind people and deaf people and demon-possessed people and lepers and crowds and sick people. I mean it's, it's, a, it's a huge journey. And finally, he writes, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why he couldn't say something like this? You know what? We were walking with Jesus and we saw all this craziness and desperation and tears and, and, and broken lives. And finally, when we saw the multitudes... We were so overcome by the pain and the suffering and the lostness. We can handle it anymore. We broke down and simply just wept. You say, Brother KP, where do you get that breakdown, weeping and all those things? So let me ask you this. What do you mean by this? He was moved with compassion. What did they see on the face of Jesus in his body language that 
He cannot shake it off. He cannot forget it. He looks back some 30 years and he cannot forget the agony that he saw in Jesus. Well, I remember in 1990, when my mother passed away at the age of 84, for three days I couldn't eat, I couldn't drink, I couldn't do anything. My brothers had to tell me, you better eat and drink. This is not the right way to approach this. I was so devastated. I think people may easily forget. Maybe my mother passed away, but I don't think they can easily forget the way I conducted myself. I couldn't even stand on my legs. So devastated I was emotionally. I was ruined. Whatever happened to Jesus when he saw the lostness and the suffering, something happened to him that I think he just began to weep. Did he collapse and just sat there, buried his face in his hand, just saying, they're lost. Jesus said in John's Gospel chapter 4, the harvest is plenty. Don't say later. Then he said, lift up your eyes and see the fields. <laughs> you know, my brothers and sisters, what keeps us from seeing the lost world, I am wearing this deliberately. The whole world. You want to see America? <laughs> it's right here. For God so loved the world. You know what keeps us from seeing the world? We turn on the television for entertainment. We go to movie theaters to make us happy. We listen to music over the stereo speakers to make us happy. We don't turn the television on to see what's happening in Iraq or Afghanistan or China or India or Bhutan or Albania or Russia. For God to break our heart for millions that are dying and going to hell. We don't turn the TV on to watch about 160 million child laborers in the land of India. Or 15 million bonded children chained to steel posts and wooden posts. Working from morning till night for pennies. We are so consumed about our own luxuries. We are blind to the realities of the lost world. I remember early days of my life in America. I talk about it. You know, finally after three years of my life in America, I was so consumed about my own life. I had a library to my name. Books that I may never read. But when people came to my house, they said, wow, this guy, wow. <laughs> Sports, I have no clue about what people do in this country with whatever you call running and killing themselves for one ball. <laughs> but I had magazines sitting all over the place for my friends to come and, and enjoy and all those things. And, and finally I remember the Lord asked me a question. said, son, half of the world have never seen one page of the Bible. And you got over seven expensive leather-bound Bibles sitting on the shelf and all the stuff. It takes you half hour to get dressed because the color coordination book you read. <laughs> and I found I was winter. And the Lord said, son, half of the world go to bed with empty stomach and naked bodies. What is this all about? I was not living on the street, sinning and doing dumb things. I was pastoring a church in seminary. 
Yet I was so consumed about my own health and wealth and good look and my music and my books. Now you know I am handsome. <laughs> but you know what? This is when I prayed a simple prayer. Lord, my heart is cold. My eyes are dry. I know what you are like, but I can't change my heart. Take eternity and stamp on my eyes. Thirty years ago, the Lord, in His mercy and grace, touched me deeply. I began to weep for days. I looked around and saw the materialism and all the stuff that I had, the dream house I had constructed, and all the other stuff that goes with it. And the Lord said, Son, you raised the dragon, you had to slay it. I will not force you to do anything. I am not talking about your house and clothes and cars, any of those stuff. No, I am simply asking you, as I ask myself every single day, 80,000 people die every day and perish for eternity. Is there something in me that makes me think 100 years from now, what does it matter? It's all over. The car, the house, the dreams, the fashions and ambitions and all the stuff, it all means nothing. Live. Live your life such a way when the journey comes to an end, you look back and say, I have no regrets. I'm heading out to meet multiplied millions of people that found their way to heaven because I followed Jesus. How do you take something like this and apply it to our life? And, and I wish I had more time to explain to you, but... <clears throat> I want to make it brief and give you some practical suggestions. But the Lord has to give you wisdom how you translate it. Keith Green, this radical disciple of Christ, a Jewish convert, was a friend of mine in the early days before he went to be with the Lord. In one of his songs, you read these words. Do you see, do you see all the people singing down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job is done. Oh, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. You know, it is all I ever hear. No one aches. No one hurts. No one even sheds one tear. And I don't want to be like that. And I hope you will agree. As you and I follow the Lord, when the Lord asks us to do hard things, it will not be legalism. It will be joy sheer joy.
Bakuduru was born in a Buddhist home. When he gave his life to Christ in the country of Nepal, his people booted him out. Said, never come back home. We took him into our Bible college in Kathmandu and trained him for three years. And finally he said he wanted to go to a community which will be many days of walk so he can plant churches there. And he did. Today, by the grace of God, from 1994, from the time he went to the mission field, today, he, along with his co-workers that he trained, there are 14 churches established, 26 fellowship groups, and 40 mission stations. And right now, his own church finished their construction that seats over 400 people. I'm telling you about the country of Nepal. You ask Behadur, was it easy? He will say, no, no. One of his co-workers, another missionary, is sitting in prison for 20 years in Nepal. His crime, doing God's work. They risk their life. They give it all. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 10. He said, I want you to go, but I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. It would have been better to say, I'm sending you as wolves among sheep. The sheep must give its life to see wolves become sheep. You and I, if we are willing to pay the price and accept the suffering and inconveniences, which is the way of Calvary, we will see people in our generation, in all these nations, turn to the Lord. So here are Four simple applications I want to ask you to do as the Lord give you the grace. One, make a commitment for serious intercession, prayer. There's a study released a year ago. Average believer in America pray less than eight minutes a day. Maybe you are praying two hours a day. I'm glad. Please think about it. The world is going to be won, not through money and television and buildings. It is going to be won on our knees. Would you please think about learning to spend half hour, an hour or two hours. Spend time with him. And don't scream at him all the time. Just say, Lord, here I am. Would you please share your burden with me? You know what? God still speaks. I had a lady told me, the KPM paralyzed and laying on the bed, but the Lord gave me a burden to pray seven hours a day over the world map and different countries, the burden he placed upon my heart. What about you? What about me? You say, world map? I got it. <laughs> Become a world Christian, not a worldly Christian. So, you will not have to go to anywhere for shopping. We brought the world map. You can, you can spit on it, it'll okay. It's all made for that. Put in your house. Let news become prayer requests for you. Get the book, Operation World. 
a country like Afghanistan, 19 million people in the whole country, less than 2,000 Christians. How do you pray? Stop thinking about you and your family and this one place. The world belongs to our Jesus and we must pray. Oh, by the way, add, just, just take one day of the week of fasting and prayer. And, and if you fast and if you die, please let me know. I will reimburse it. <laughs> I can assure you, you'll be healthy. And the Lord is looking for that. Second, I mentioned this to you. Please believe me. Please believe me. Still, half of the world, they go to bed with empty stomach. And they have no clothes. People are suffering. Why on earth you are looking for another diamond ring? I mean, yeah, America is the most stupid, crazy place in the whole universe. Every six months they come out with a new fashion. You know why? To deceive you, to trick you, to get your money. Then you have a garage sale, roommate sale, to get rid of all the stuff. Stop buying stuff. Keep your old clothes. The new fashion come back again. <laughs> hey, listen. Narayan Sharma, upper caste Brahmin, in Nepal, our leader of the country. He came to Christ from a Brahmin home. His brother is a university professor in Kathmandu University. As a young man studying in college, when Narayan Sharma gave his life to Christ, they threw him out. He came to India to go to a Bible college. Later, God raised him up as a leader. You know, Narayan Sharma came to Christ. You know how? Through reading a gospel tract. How much does that cost? Less than what he paid for chewing gum. Is it possible for us to start thinking about the way we conduct our life in the light of the reality that the world is in today? I cannot dictate to you the house cars. Nobody's business. You know, I, mean, I have friends who are multi-millionaires who walk with God, who are committed to Christ, intense in their discipleship and reaching the lost world. So I'm not knocking anybody if he got $10 billion, just send it to us. <laughs> the third thing, I want to say, I know, wrap it up. You know, if the Lord is calling you to serve Him somewhere, here, there, anywhere, you please go. Mission field is a better place than where you are, believe it or not. And uh, we are looking for people to serve the Lord with us, um, you know, with all kind of professions. So if you are interested, please let us know. Uh, but also for young people who finished their high school, we have a thing called internship. One year, if we got children who are, you know, 18 years or finish their high school and they are a headache for you, please send them to us. We'll take them for one year. After that, three weeks, we send them mission field and they'll come back as super kids. <laughs> Go to our website and learn about it. Number four, the last application. I know 99% of people sitting here, 99% of people sit here. I don't think you are going to China or India or Bhutan or Burma or Mongolia or Laos or Cambodia, any place. I don't think you're going anywhere. And you say, well, KP, what am I supposed to do? I tell you, even though you will not go from here to live in India or Bangladesh or Nepal, you can go and do more than you ever imagined. You say, how is that? Read the Bible. Romans 10, 
It says, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All the people in Bhutan or India or China, anywhere, they say, Jesus! And they will be saved and repent and turn to Him. But the question, how are they going to do it unless they hear the gospel? And the last question, how will they hear without a missionary or a preacher? But how will they go except they be sent? There are people sitting here. You say, Brother KP, I've been supporting one or two or three of your missionaries. And I got a letter from your office saying that my missionary already planted a church. You don't need to give any money anymore. You can support a new missionary. It is not a welfare program. What you do is that you say, Brother KP, I just want to be a part of reaching the lost world. If that be the case, like the brothers in Bhutan I told you about, in Nepal, in India, or many of these nations, you can be the sender of that missionary, taking care of the children, teaching them, reaching the lost world. If that is something that you feel the Lord wants you to do, there's a little card given to you in the bulletin. There, when you came in the door, they gave you a bulletin and, and this card. Wow, that's cool. Look at that. Look at that. So, it, it's, would you please take it out? It is, it's yours to take it out, okay? Yes, I want to help. All you, can, all you need to do is that if you give just $30 a month to support a native missionary, all the information is there. You can help one or two or three or whatever. My wife and I, with our two children, many years ago, started helping four native missionaries giving $30 a month. And they went on planting churches. Then we started you know, four new ones. And this has been an incredible joy. Then my children finished their studies in the States. Ten years ago, they ran off to India to be missionaries serving the Lord there. So they are there. And um, it's a joy. So here's what I wanted to do. If you can help one or two or ten or fifty or hundred, we have, we have right now 54 Bible colleges, some 8,000 young people studying three years to go to the mission field. And we have hundreds that finish their training that someone need to pray for them and help them to get to the mission field by prayer and your help. If you will write your name and address and mark how many missionaries you like to support, and uh, then you can do that through credit card and whatever else also back. When you bring it to the table out there, we will give you your missionary or missionaries to take home with you this evening. And you can start praying for them all about your missionaries here. And at least once or twice a year, they write you letters and let you know what they're doing, how things are going, and you know what the Lord is doing through their life and how to pray for them. All the information, you will also get it. And every penny you give, all the money go to the mission field. We don't take nothing out for administration. That's a promise, and we do that. And um, each missionary support in the planting at least one church within the first year or two of their life on the mission field. What a privilege it is someday when we get to heaven, we will run into some of these dear brothers. You know what? One of the reasons I am eager for Jesus to come back, I'm selfish. I want to see him more than anything else, but I want to meet all these wonderful people and have a great time of dancing. Because here on earth, I don't dance. I don't know how. But there I know I'm going to do it. <laughs> May the Lord help us to hear him say,
would he be willing to share my pain, my tears, and my sorrow for people that do not know me? And may we say to him, Lord, as you guide, as you grace, I will do the best and for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.